Hello, and welcome to another Kingery Commentary. I'm Harry Whittle. I'm the director, and with me in the room here is... Seth Adam Sure, I wrote this little thingy. That's right. How many scripts does this make for you, having written them? Uh, that, was a beautif- that was a beautifully crafted sentence, I just have to say. I, I understood it. I understood it. <laughs> I was right. Um, for me, this would be the third Kingery script. I think like the fifth or sixth, I think the fifth probably script that I've done, period. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still a baby, script-wise. Well, cool. Thank you, Jeffrey, for pushing me into this. It's been an interesting ride. Oh, my God, this episode was so hard to write. Why was it so hard to write, Seth? For some reason, I couldn't connect with any of the characters. They weren't, like, speaking to me. Uh-huh. Usually, that's the way I found that I write. I kind of I get the idea of the characters in my head and then just let them, you know, go off. And they were all quiet. So it was like it was really hard to get into the mindset of the of the characters. I I, I knew the general. We had the 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 outline. We had made the the season um, outline a couple of months before this. Um, so I, at least I had reference points for you know what needed to happen in the episode to 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 draw from. But most of the the characters just were like it was like they were on a day off or something. Interesting. You know, Union said they, they had a free day off or something, so they are hanging out with the caterers, or I don't know. So what did you do? Did you prod them? Did you beat them? Did you get them drunk? How, how did you solve this problem? I, I sweated and sweated and kept agonizing over it and going over what I knew of the characters from the other episodes and finally just, like, sat down and wrote whether they wanted to, to be in it or not. Um, and that—that's actually that was, that was not the script that this episode follows. That script, uh, the first draft, was significantly different. Um, a lot of it just didn't mesh and didn't feel right. Yeah. And that was, you know, fr- that was obviously due to me not being able to get into their get into the right mindset for the episode. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so we took it apart and put it back together fairly effectively, and then I was able to. Um, get through, uh, I guess, my my little uh, problem areas, and was able to get this out like about a week later. And we were running kind of late anyway. We had gotten a bit behind in the in the scripting process, so I was working at a little bit less of uh, the normal time that we usually have. Yeah. Um, but I was able to bang out the script in in I think it was pretty good time. I hope it was pretty good time. Seemed to work. Yeah. Well, I think it's a lovely script. Um, I know it's one of the things that was really hard for me, first time I'd ever put together the previously mm-hmm. section. And oh, yes. Uh, it was a very good previously. It connected very well. Man, did I find that hard. Mm. I, I don't know. I just found it really hard to figure out what was important and how far back I should go. Um, you know, because, I mean, you know, basically the story just keeps re- keeps, keeps rolling, going. you know? Right. So I could go back all the way to episode one or something, or, or three, where we, you know, certain things find out. But anyway. Welcome, welcome to the director mind, Spider. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So I was just really surprised at, at how hard that was. So. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting how much do you to keep out, because there's just so much that happens. Um, uh, I often wonder the same of shows like 24 or Battlestar Galactica. How do they, you know, when they do their previous lease, how do they, how do they know when to, to just leave off? 
because right. it's too much. Right. But I think you connected it very beautifully, especially at the beginning, with all three of those characters <laughs> just wanting to, yeah. Well, that's that seemed to be a theme that was coming up. Everybody wanting to leave and going, and and I didn't even put Tithia in there, but you know she's gone and come back. And except for the fact that that Julie, as we hear here, is back. You know, from yeah. wherever it was yeah. she went, whatever happened there with the, whoever she was talking with, she's back at the kingery. Yes. So, so wanting to leave is a theme, and going and coming back is another theme. Right. And Which then Tithia did. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Anyway, and yeah, I, get, I, say, I sort of get intoxicated with the sounds and with the, the little bits of audio that are similar. Like there's a place in here where um, Fix and Tommy and Adam Shepard all say each other's names because they're yeah. like kind of introducing each other and kind of arguing yeah. all kind at the of same time. Yeah, kind of warning each other off, but uh, yeah. And I, and I almost ended up like trying to... I don't know. The next previously may just be people saying each other's names. <laughs> so, just like Rocky Horror. Yeah, it could get interesting. It'll get my attention. That's for sure. Yeah. So, um, so let's see. We've got um, got Alicia Lane Madison, Madison now as as Maggie as Madeline Gray. Uh huh. And Heather Frizzell doing a great job as Julie and. Alicia, I can tell you as a director, was fight was fighting a tremendous cold oh, when yeah. she was recording these lines. And yes, uh, that's right. And you can I don't think you can hardly hear it at all in the final episode, but uh, very evident as the director. Uh, Excellent hearing work, Alicia. She did yeah. for for her Dixie lines. Yeah. Anyway, I just I'm always hearing that stuff and going. I'm just really impressed at how people fight through the. The colds and stuff. And then yeah, you had this cool thing in the script. We're just aren't we? Yes. <laughs> you had this cool thing in the script between scene one and scene three. Mm-hmm. You ha- or it's what I called scene three because I got so confused. You had this, <laughs> you had this thing that was yeah, called... That too. Let's see, I'm sorry. looking for it. Fade out. Long panning oh, shot of Kingery. <laughs> opening titles. Or not. And, and I was so freaked out. I was, uh, was just like looking at that going, Oh my God, we're going to put the credits there? Oh my God. <laughs> No, no, no! I wasn't. I wasn't actually do? trying to change the the, the credit sequence. <laughs> you know, for for whatever my brain was going for when we started the show, would only go at the end. Yeah, <coughs> I wanted to like that was my little um, silent joke parody of shows like CSI or Law and Order that had that quick, you know, beginning piece and then cut to the the, the panning shot opening yes. credits type of thing. Yes. So that so, it was a joke. It was. Yes. A joke. So it took me like a a week to figure that out. You know, I, was like, I was like sitting there going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And the longer I thought about it, the more I thought about it, the more I pondered it, I was going, no, 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 no. this is just a joke. And so finally, well, is, yeah. I, finally I sent you an email and I was like, okay, Seth, I'm 98% certain, but I'm just checking. Like, this is a joke, right? So, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't mean it for it to be, you know, that could be, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Really, it was just a joke. Um, we had, we've gotten one of the one of the crazy things that the the story council for this show um, devolves into is putting little uh, pings to the director, like kind of jabbing at them by saying, you know, um, large explosions, large you know, large action scene here, have fun, you know, won't go into detail, leaves you to do all the work, you know, right? Or um, somebody takes out a device of the future. 
Yes, I've, I've noticed the all in caps of the future. Yeah, we've started, you know, we have a, a, a very, we have a lot of inside jokes when we write the script. So um, every now and then I'll just, you know, put in a little amusing side thing. Pete does that a lot for his for his shows. Yeah. And so, uh, but I kind of came in here kind of suddenly and was like uh, in the midst of inside jokes that I wasn't sure I was getting. So, uh, <laughs> Um, well, so then let's it works great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So what do we have here? We have Susan Bridges as Sarah. We had mm-hmm. John Howard as the man in the restaurant, and I got to say, I, I got some lovely improvs from from John for his exit line, and uh, I I chose the one where he's saying, "I'm going to go." It's honey, watch the kids. I'm going to go play some cards. <laughs> and um, Kim Giannopoulos as Jenny with a very distinctive. Uh, uh, performance as Jenny. Okay, I like that. Uh, and Jane, Jane Parrish as Regina. Jane, yes, another another alumnus from the the Voice Factory. We're all here. That's right. Um, she's just. I, I think she's just developing great um, uh, Regina's uh, character. She's she's shown a lot of growth in the character for the the, the last season. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think. Um, I think some stuff may be getting exciting for Regina in the future. She may get, uh, I, you know, just looking at the stuff that's happening in the story here. It's, uh, yes, that's maybe. Very interesting. And I wanted to give Susan some more to do because I, I like her role as sort of the the the, the second, the, the um, where she is with the restaurant. I thought it was great to be able to develop some of the 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 second string, I guess, characters for the Kingery, kind of flesh it out more, and I thought Sarah was a great was a great idea. Right, so there's Sarah in the restaurant, and there's also Seth the bartender in the bar, right. and right. it seemed there's like you were doing that a little bit, so giving yourself a little more stuff to do in the bar. Yeah, it, it, it actually, I hadn't planned on it, it just kind of developed um, uh-huh. when, when I was fleshing out the... Uh, the the Betty in Robert's body, um, and we we in the scripts call her Betty Bert, right? Um, developing the Betty Bert uh, character a little bit more, you know, would find um, for for what he has to do in this episode, he would be at the bar at some point, you know, trying to pick up chicks. Um, and of course, you know, the bar we've had before, and and I had you know thrown in myself as the bartender at that point, so it seemed just you know okay here. No casting needed. No right. Something right. less for you to have to, to, to deal with. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got the, the, the two Saul technicians um, the, as background characters. Oh. I haven't heard them yet. Uh, they were in the first season. They were. Um, oh, that's right. I forget their names. Um, but yeah, there were the two Saul technicians that okay. were helping Devi. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, well, we got to get I back did, to yeah, I, I look every every now and then for places where like new, interesting second string characters can maybe pop up, and you know, like the woman in the bar. Right, right, and like Officer Brannis, who yes. who who's seen first scene we just missed. That was Paul Lavelle as Officer Brannis. I actually, and, uh, um, I had thought for um, since we had brought in the police, we really um, at the beginning of the season we really hadn't done anything with them. And yeah, I wanted to put in a little, you know, Law and Order style, CSI style nod to the police in, you know, on the scene, you know, doing the stakeout, doing their work. Um, 
And so I thought this was a good a good opportunity. And then right. makes and then and static and then kind of staggered the scene so that later on you have a continuation of them, you know, on the job. Right. And that was the other um peculiar thing that happened to me when I was reading the script in, in sort of this big flurry uh, sort of carelessly in a big flurry uh, I saw the two scenes on the walkie talkies between Brannis and uh, Madeline Gray and I thought oh you know I'll put in one of them I'll put one of the people on the filter and in the other one I'll put the other person on the filter and then I went perfectly I went back and read the script a little more carefully and I saw that you'd said exactly the same thing and I thought great minds run in the same ruts this is great all right and so you now, worked it very well. Uh, yeah. The scenes were were great. Uh, they played really wonderfully. Yeah. Testament to your directing and their acting. It's all, it, it's always a question when you have walkie-talkies, like how much um, how much static do you put in? How much you know? Um, how much do you break up the lines with a little uh, burst of uh, static or something? Mm-hmm. How and, clear? Uh, yeah, how clear is the sound? Yeah, and I decide what the volume level, where it is in relation to whoever's yeah. talking. Yeah, you know, this is the future. This is the far future. You know, things yeah. things work pretty well, except in the maintenance office, you know, where everything is <laughs> Which I apart. think was great, having the, the, the TV or the video screen just yeah. cackling. Originally, I had written, like, there was an epic noise in the background of, like, a table ball game going on. But you uh, you, you you put instead, like, the just the, the glitched TV screen that wasn't right. working. I thought it was great that like everything in the Kingery on the outside is flashy and super and works, but not in the maintenance room. Right, right. Because they don't have time to fix it, and also, <laughs> and also because Hooks has been uh, under the weather lately. He's been going through some weird stuff. Yeah, and so let's uh, get off those drugs. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, we've got Pete Milan as Tommy. Arkell mm-hmm. and Jovian Lab. This is his first appearance as Adam Shepard. So that's correct. And Actually, right now we have uh, uh, Betty Betty Burst. Oh, we yeah. have Andrew Eckhart in the bar trying to pick up chicks. That's right. And he first tries with Robin Carlyle as Woman One, and then with Marley Norton as Woman Two. Oh, that's who that was. And then Seth, you set him straight. Oh, there's Marley. And and uh, just that transition between the last scene and this one was sort of my homage to Jamie Tyler um, because he he liked that transition when you use the music that's on Tommy's radio and you bring it into the next scene. Yeah, that, that he talked about several times being one of his favorite transitions to link the various locations. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I always like the, the, those type of transitions, uh, you know, the long panning shots yeah. over Vegas. I'm a, I'm a big CSI Vegas fan, so, you know, the long panning shots over Vegas that connect the scenes yeah. type of thing. I wasn't intentionally trying to channel uh, the bouncer in the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, audio drama when they're in the, the restaurant at the end of the universe and... and Ford is trying to to get to talk to his old friend. Um, oh, what's his name? Oh, and if you're looking for company, no, no, no. The the musician, Hot Black Desiato, and Hot Black Desiato's bodyguard is like, kid, go away. Yeah, that line was an homage to um, you know get out, uh, you know beat it before it gets beaten for you. 
sorry. Which I thought was great, and I always yes. I adore the the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, absolutely. Radio program, so I put an homage to that there with this bartender. And the ironic thing is, at the end of the scene, he gets hit on by the oh. woman that just you know, dumb that, that just spat in in Betty Birch's face. Right. A little ironic twist okay. there. When do you get off of work? All right. Well played. Well played. Yeah, I thought Marley did a great job there. So here we are back on the uh, the cops on the walkie-talkies. Mm-hmm. Where's he off to now? Great and report then, there. And then... Uh, the only other thing I was wondering about, and I can't remember what I did, was like if I should, when we switched who was on the filter, was should I switch them around, switch their location? I think I did. Yes. So that so that it felt like there was some change in your perspective or something. Yes. Um, in changing camera angle. Yeah. As I as I as I call it. Yeah. And then, but it also I was worried that it would make people think that there was something wrong with the left speaker, you know, just because it was always going all staticky and weird. <laughs> no, I I actually I think it worked. I think it worked. Yeah. Oh yes. Now we're back with Tommy and and Adam Shepard, the new Adam Shepard, I believe. That's right. That's right. This ought to be good. Why? And pretty soon, Mark Zaracor is going to come barging into the room as Fix. I'm so used to hearing him as Frank McGuff. Hearing him as uh-huh. Fix is just like, you know, I'm shaking my head. Impressive, Mark. Yeah, very impressive. And you've got the radio on in the background. Yep. Yep, that was in your, in your script. It started as just a little affectation in one of the original scripts, or actually probably in one of my just little ideas for how the show might sound, and I'm surprised that it's <laughs> held this long. Yeah. So let's see. In, um, in this scene, the song that's on the radio is called Ride the Big Red Car. <laughs> by David Alexander McDonald. And I don't know, somehow I wanted that... Um, that sounded suggestive to me, that title. Uh, so I wanted that for the next scene. So that's why I put it in this scene, because I was going to do that transition where it just uh, moves from the radio into the into a fancier radio. And Tommy's, Tommy's got this radio... You know, everywhere else they play music, it comes out real nice. Yeah. But Tommy is, I think Tommy he's got has like a, this old transistor. Yeah, he's he's got a bunch of antiques. Tommy Tommy is a is a retro kind of dude. I think and, so. And he's got a bunch of he's got fins on his hovermobile. Antiques and uh, <laughs> you know he's got wood, he's got glass. You know everybody else has you know plastic and and all kinds of building materials of the future. Right. That's that's in all caps. You couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> And there he goes. Bye, Mark. Oof. Thank you for slamming the door on your way out. Yes, nice wooden door. Yeah, Tommy's got wood all over the place. Yeah, Tommy can afford wood, but the other I don't think the other people can. Yeah, it's kind of expensive to import that stuff from Earth. Yeah. 
I think right. I might have even hated you for a time. I'm sorry that we had to uh, replace Michael McCaskill. Yeah, me too. He was doing a fantastic job like of that. He will be missed. Yeah. But, but I think Jovian Lab does a good job of uh, capturing not so much the voice, but very much the cadence. Very much the character. Yeah, and the yeah. character. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to more. Doing a good job. Yeah, very good job. Good, good, And we'll hear a lot more of him in the next episode. Yes, we will. So be sure to be sure to tune in for that. Same or down time. download for that. I suppose I should say. Of course. Take as long as you need. My recovery. 12 a.m. For the other of you who use iTunes, it's always midnight somewhere. Thank you for at least hearing the proposal, Thomas. Yes, there's the musical transition. Very nicely done. Yeah. You did this whole episode very well. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I decided that at Shenanigans, mm-hmm. um, the doors are they're they're more futuristic doors, <laughs> but they work. They <laughs> doors work. of the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, which is you know important for security. And it's important for hygiene, for oh, yeah. sure. Yes. And um, those rooms are probably self-cleaning too. Yeah. And and there's got to be some sort of uh, concern about the sound. Oh yes. There, oh, those you know, walls are are padded. Most, most certainly. There has to be enough sound transmission that other people in shenanigans, you know, get the idea, right? Yeah. It's, you know the the. But the, that in enhances the mood. Yeah, but it's not it's not so loud that it would like inhibit you. So, right. You know. So a lot Speaking of care. Of inhibited. Yeah, a lot of care. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of care is being taken here. Yeah. And who was this who played the Rusty Toot as the the Ara Pelodi? Tremendous performance from from both uh, Andrew Eckhart as Roberts and Ara Pelodi as the prostitute. Fantastic. Yes. yes. I think I think just so many. I got so many wonderful takes from Ara and <laughs> so much wonderful stuff. And we wanted to to highlight uh, Betty's Betty and Roberts's body, uh, kind of like not really knowing how to to be a man, right? And like not knowing how to you know be a suave man, a sexy man in bed. So he's like being all awkward. Yeah. And 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 yes. Was there a, uh, were there a couple of extra sound effects in there? Was it me? Maybe uh, maybe there was a little glitch in the in the MP3 that I had. I don't know. You'd have to listen real close. Um, I'll have to listen real close. Okay. Um, I, okay. So one thing I'm not sure that anybody if anybody's going to get, but they're moving around in the room, and my idea was that. Uh, the prostitute is basically chasing Roberts through the room, you know, like oh. like trying to to get him to undress and to engage in this thing. Right. Um, and I wasn't sure that that came across, but that's why there's all this moving around. But of course, you don't hear footsteps because, you know, they don't have shen- any shenanigans. Ha- right. They take their shoes off, you know, and and the shag carpets. Right? Because you have to have shag carpets in the shenanigans suite. Yes, absolutely. So anyway, the footsteps are there, but you have to, li- again, you have to listen really, really closely to hear them. 
trust me. That was so well done. I, I, I didn't notice. Yeah, trust me. You have to listen <laughs> real close. Get out. Yeah. Anyway, that, uh, this is Arapol. She's doing a phenomenal job, but that accent is, is beautiful. Yes. All right. All right, baby. And, of course, we I felt there, so much had happened to Betty throughout this entire thing. She hasn't had a chance to just, you know, go into a corner and scream. Yeah. Or just explode somewhere, quietly detonate somewhere, and I wanted to give that to her. Or else she couldn't be in, to me, she couldn't be in a full character headspace to be able to do what she needs to do later. I have no idea what you're talking about there, but it, it sounds it, good. It, it, you know, little little you know tease, but um, I I wanted to get her no a release as yes. it were. <laughs> a couple of releases, uh, but this was the big big one that I think she needed, and Andrew just nailed it. Yeah, such a good performance. What better place to end an episode? Right. <laughs> and and uh, the closing line is just lovely. I mean, I'm not sure we believe her. I'm not sure she believes herself. Yeah. But, you know, she's trying to tell us that it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Yeah. As you would console anybody with, it's all going to be okay. That's right. Maybe. That's right. And That's Jeffrey Bridges at the end credits announcer. That's right. Masterful work, Jeffrey. Masterful. The Kingery, season two, episode five. The unsung hero of Pendant. Yes. How come he doesn't get credit as reading the end credits? I don't know. I guess he just doesn't like to call attention to himself or something. Yeah. He'd probably have to go on strike to get credit. Mm. And that's who's re- right. really responsible for this. All of us. Yeah. Directed by Perry Whittle. Congratulations. Oh, this thank your you. first thank full you so much. episode? Yes, first full solo uh, episode. Yay. And um, very exciting time it was, too. <laughs> I'm happy you enjoyed it. Yeah. Now get back in the mines. <laughs> yeah, I'm get in the mines. I am in the mines. I don't feel like I'd leave them. So, yeah. Oh, you wouldn't be able to if you tried, trust me. Yeah. No, do you have another script coming up that you're writing? Um, I am not writing it yet. Um, I've got another... Uh, let's see. I'm writing the... I, I think it's the next to season finale. Oh, very good. All right. Yeah, I'm writing episode 23. All right. Well, I will talk to you then, if not before. Absolutely. I will see you then. And All right. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Good night, everybody. Bye now. <laughs>